Welcome to Bottomless Rugby, the home of boys, brews and sports balls. This is the main event with Dr. Duke and Jason. We talk about the current hot topic of the week, touch base on interesting news, and pick a boykie of the week. If you are a listener, welcome to the Bottomless Sports Network. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please consider following Bottomless Rugby on social media and podcast streaming services. Uh, with that said, let's get into it. So with the effect of COVID on the 2020 rugby calendar, um, you know, we've been seeing the effects at the professional level and so forth, but um, there really hasn't been that much talk um, of the lower levels, uh, specifically at age group rugby with schools. Uh, this is quite a quite a big problem. Um, Jason, you, you're a little bit younger than me, um, or quite a bit younger than me, rather put it that way. So, so you're probably a bit more in contact with some people that have closer ties to schools and so forth. Um, just, you know, a quick nutshell. What, what is your general thought on, on, you know, players that are matric this year not being able to, to play any rugby? Like, how, how does it make you feel? Yeah, first of all, let's, let's put some respect on it. It's a, it's a big, it's a big age gap. Okay. Let's just say that right now. Um, but yeah, looking at the guys in, how they're going through it like that was such like when i was in matric for the guys who were big in their rugby this was important that's that's the thing it's your last year of matric rugby last year for your school last year to prove yourself and get something big uh or at least you think so back then so this is going to have a lot of a huge effect on them and huge effect on just their psyche because like this is what they're preparing for for four years and suddenly it's got nothing yeah, I'm I'm with you there. I particularly feel for those that were looking at the metric year as an opportunity to potentially make it into some provincial team, um, maybe pick up a sports bursary somewhere. Um, but at the same time, I actually really feel for those guys who, you know, were still just playing rugby for the love of it. And this was going to be their final year. In many cases, metric is the final year where a lot of players play. After matric, they they stop playing rugby, so this is a big loss for them, you know. Because if you think about those smaller schools, you don't necessarily compete um, at that sort of national level with other top schools. Like playing in those first sides, you know, in, in the smaller towns and schools, like there's a lot of community um, support there, and you know, playing in those schools in the first team it has quite a lot of perks um, for them within the communities as well. So like that, yes has been lost and I think to to many of the metrics it probably was a little bit depressing because schools did open up but you know everyone was told you're only going to focus on your academics forget about any rugby for the rest of the year I can only imagine you know the psychological effect this must have on the kids yeah exactly and we got to we have to remember that yes they are there primarily for academics but sports gives you an outlet so that you can take your mind away from the academics for once and relax and have fun with your mates and get their excess energy out. And now they're being denied that. So it is going to affect their studies as well because they're going to get sick of it, uh, the, the guys who just aren't academically inclined. Oh, for sure. Uh, but let's look back to our school school days. So when you were there in high school, um, how big of a role did sport play for you when it came to your academics? 
Oh, it was a huge, huge part of it. Like, I was heavily involved in sports. I played school rugby. I played club rugby. I played uh, basketball uh, off rugby season. Like, there are times when there wouldn't be a single day I wasn't doing some form of practice or match. So it was a huge, huge thing for me. And I think it really helped my academic side as well. Like, just being able to get all that energy out and then sit down and focus on study material. So for me, it was... It was a huge thing and if I didn't have it I think I would have done worse because I would have just gotten frustrated with it and what about for you I know you're also big on your sports in high school yeah I played a lot of sports in high school so I played I played rugby I played cricket um, I, I used to play chess in primary school but when I got to high school um, I found out that the boarding house uh, the time that you go and eat your lunch it was the time that the chess chess club would basically go and practice and I was like I'm not sacrificing food <laughs> so I left chess behind <laughs> good choice good choice um, yeah yeah so I did rugby I did cricket um, I did cross country believe it or not picked up sailing I mean sailing was cool because it was the whole year we could sail which was fantastic it wasn't seasonal um, yeah and then I was involved with um, the first aid um, outside of that I mean like, like you know, that Leonard, there's so much you can do. And for us boarders, we were kept busy in any case. So there was only really so much you could go and try, you know, even though there were so many options. But the thing that I find is the biggest benefit of sport is that, like, especially if you're going to try a couple of different activities, you, you learn something in each of those activities, which in turn actually, you know, it just stimulates your learning capability. And that comes over to the classroom, you know, and then we're not even talking about the social aspect and the social skills that you pick up from sports, you know, that also benefits you back in the classroom. So I feel that, that this is a major loss for the metrics, not just from an academic uh, point of view, not just from those kids who, you know, could have potentially gone to play in uh, schools, youth week or something like that, but just all around, this is just a massive, massive blow to them, eh? Yeah, definitely is. And another thing is that the sports side teaches you discipline. You want to do well in academics and the workplace, all those things. You need discipline. You need to be able to do it, put your mind to something and do it. So just not having that for the years, yeah, it's going to really impact on them. Yeah, for sure. But, and when we bring it specifically back to rugby now for these metrics, right? So this is bad for those who were hoping to go get a bursary, maybe being seen at a sports week, uh, particularly for those who come from less privileged backgrounds and areas. Because quite frankly, I think unions are going to be less likely to take chances on kids that are not from a big school with a reputation. Like if you came from, from Paul Boys, you know, particularly in, in, in the time period when Sean Erasmus was there, the union will know, okay, you you came through this system. We have confidence in the coach and the structures there. We pretty much know you'll be able to do what is expected of you. But if you come from a small school that doesn't have that sort of relationship with the union, they're going to overlook you, and especially now when money is going to be an issue for unions, right? So who's really going to take a chance with a, with a kid that's from a no-name brand school? Yes, exactly, and... As harsh as that seems, you can kind of see the logic because if they're going to a rugby school, as much as rugby school shouldn't exist, you know they're being drilled well, got good coaching and all that kind of stuff. Where if they go to like a, a B-level or C-level rugby school, you don't have that guarantee of them having the training and that to um, make them worth signing. 
Like you'd only be able to see that by watching them play. And if they can't play in their final years, like you say, you're just not going to take that risk. Yeah, for sure. So this kind of means we're in this position where we could potentially lose an entire wave of talent to the system. Potential international stars might never get an opportunity, you know, particularly, you know, with Craven Week and so forth in mind, because that is really the best opportunity for players that are from, you know, country regions and so forth um, to get an opportunity to compete at a stage where all eyes are focused on them. So there's a big risk associated with this, and I really wonder what is going to happen going forward with this. So it does kind of bring me to uh, a question that's popped up and kind of seen this um, in, in a column that was put out in SA Rugby Mag a, a while back. And there was this sort of talking about we need to rethink the, the issue on uh, schoolboys. And there's an interesting question that comes up if you think about all these factors. And you might ask yourself, should Matrix be allowed to repeat grade 12 purely for rugby? You know, those that are specifically trying to get into a school's week um, or to get exposure, to try and get a bursary or contract to uni. Um, yeah, so let me let me put that question to you, Jason. Do you think they should be allowed to repeat purely for rugby users? Personally, no, because for me that defeats the purpose of what a school is. It's not there to produce rugby talent. It is there to uh, make get you the academic standard you're ready to enter the working world and function well in the world like that is at its core what it's meant to be and if you're letting guys repeat matric for rugby a you're putting them back a year behind their peers and that has a psychological effect in itself if all your mates are at varsity and you're still there in a school uniform it's going to affect you and just b you're taking up space from the the next year coming through it just I can see the benefits of it, but to me, it's not that illogical. What do you think? Yeah, I I get your point. Um, and I also, I, I do agree with that. Uh, my biggest one for why I'm against it is, um, you know, the younger age group players are going to come into the system now. So what about the current under 16s um, who are going to be playing Opens next year and then coaches would potentially have under 19 players that are available to them. Right, but you're not going to tell me a coach is going to look at his under 19 player, look at, you know, the 16 year old that just came into the squad and, you know, decide to necessarily take the 16 year old when there's a bigger, stronger, more experienced player available. So that to me is quite a big issue because they're going to take up space and you could literally say the same for the matrix of 2021. Right, who's going to be in their final year? Who might not get an opportunity to play first side because an older player is back. And if you look at it from that point of view, it's going to be more beneficial to, I mean, sorry, it's going to be more detrimental to more kids in the younger age groups than the ones who are now, unfortunately, getting the brunt of the stick with COVID. Now, that to me is a big issue. But at the same time, I'm very conflicted because I can understand the the exposure that is required for some of these kids from underprivileged areas, you know, who might never get an opportunity unless they play in some sort of a schools league. What do you think? Yeah, that is the other side of the coin. Like at all these sports weeks, at the Craven Weeks, at like the Kersney Festival, the other rugby festivals, 
the the poorer schools and poorer rugby players can go and show what they're made of and win bursaries. I mean, just looking outside of Craven Week for now, uh, Curzon Rugby Festival, they give out a bunch of Shocks Academy scholarships. So it is vital for these guys. And unfortunately, not getting those opportunities, they're just going to be held back financially when their talent could get them there. So it is a big problem. Yeah, definitely. Um, because that is the other thing. Like we've we've seen these schools festivals, you know, explode. Um, in the time that I was still at school, there was only you know a couple of big ones that would happen around Easter. Now, there's how many schools tournaments that happen every year, which I think is fantastic. I think we need to have that happen quite often to get different schools to come together to play. I think those are fantastic because it's essentially a simulation of a Craven Week, you know just school teams and it does allow um, exposure to be significant and it makes it easier for like scouts from the region to come and look for players uh, so I do think that would happen but yeah I on, on the issue of whether matrix should be allowed to repeat for rugby I'm I'm conflicted right but I do lean towards the against side I think it is unfortunate for these young men but at the same time, you have to move on. I don't think you should stay behind just for the sake of trying to, um, yeah, you know, just go play rugby to get that exposure. It shouldn't just be about that. Um, and this is kind of where I feel at the moment COVID exposes how poor our club structures are, right? Because if we had proper club structures still in place and if we still had that, under 19 National League, there would actually be a place for the Matrix of 2020 to move into. But we don't have that. So it kind of begs the question now, where to go for the Matrix of this year? Right? Like, we, what, what do you think the options are for them? Like you say, the options are just very limited. Like, if they're lucky enough to get a bursary, they can get to a union. Otherwise, you know, if they're at a university, that uh, university they can play for Corsair's team, but that's very minimal exposure, trying to make the varsity side. And otherwise, like you say, it is club rugby, but there's very few provinces actually where club rugby is properly watched to see is there talent that can go to the unions. Like it's, club rugby has been very disrespected in our country because it's just overlooked a lot of the time. Yeah, I, I do think that is a problem. It, it didn't used to be like that, but obviously, you know, as the game sort of became professional, unions and franchises and so forth, you know, decided to implement the structures a little bit differently, change their recruitment strategies. Um, so the kind of need for clubs to still be that um, breeding ground of talent, or at the very least, you know, where talent is developed, if they're gonna, if they are late bloomers, that's kind of fallen away, but. Now I feel that this is a really good opportunity to consider, you know, focusing a lot more on, on club rugby going forward on, on the amateur branch of it and to create a space for matriculants to go into. Because we already set a problem where we lose a lot of players after they um, leave school, right? And now you have a situation where unions can't even take up all those players. So there's actually an opportunity for clubs to recruit really good um, players, right, that are young into their structures because there really isn't going to be much option for them. 
So I feel that this is something that could be beneficial to the clubs if they take this opportunity, come together and get some sort of a plan in place to accommodate these youngsters, keep them in the system and actually give them some sort of exposure to try and create a clear pathway to the provincial uh, setup. Yeah, exactly. And we just do have to bear in mind this will need investment from SA Rugby and Saru to say we're going to make club rugby important again and get the unions involved in that in each province because without that support, you know, the clubs have also been hit financially by the whole pandemic. So it is going to need to be a joint effort, but like you said, this is the prime opportunity to do it. Yeah, and, and you know, right now, what are, what are the clubs and things doing anyway? We have absolutely no idea, but there is a lot of time for all these administrators to go on Zoom calls and work on plans. Right? Like I'm hoping that someone would have seen this as an opportunity that is just waiting to be taken, you know? Um, before we wrap this up, right, so what do you think we can still do in 2020 for the schools? Right. Do you think there's anything that, that, that the schools can do to try and help these, these boys out get some exposure? Well, it depends how things go later in the year. Like We should be heading towards uh, a decline, but there's always a chance there's going to be a sudden other rise and peak. We don't know how this virus is going to go. So for me, the prime focus should be getting these guys through academically making sure they pass their subjects so they can leave the school system at the end of the year. Um, unfortunately, rugby needs to be a secondary thing. And until until things are a lot better, I don't see a way they can improve exposure. Yeah, it's, it's quite difficult. I do think there's something that could potentially be done. Right? So obviously... If you were to consider, all right, Matrix finished their examinations, I think, mid-December. And I think if you got some schools together with agreement from, you know, the parents of those players and players themselves to try and organize some little, some little school festival somewhere, you know, whether you do that uh, early January next year or something. But maybe there's something they can do, you know, it will probably have to be on some sort of voluntary basis and then you'd have to solve um, financial or logistic issues. But yeah, I, th I think, you know, you could, for example, have, at least in the major cities, you could have like a sports day where, you know, all right, everyone who's who's in the trick this year, you come play, you're going to put some teams together, we play for fun. And at least, you know, if you could potentially like just bring the clubs in bring some of some union representatives in just so like these players can go and speak to clubs, so forth, um, mix mix with them, play a couple exhibition matches, and maybe the scouts might see something that's interesting, invite a player to come, you know, train for a little bit or so forth, and then evaluate them properly um, as time goes on, because quite frankly, yeah, you know, the players aren't going to be in their best uh, condition at that time. But I think, yeah, like, Options should be explored um, to do what we can. But at the same time, I feel that, uh, unfortunately, for these metrics of 2020, uh, yeah, this is going to be a rugby year to forget. Yeah, unfortunately so. That's just, it's just how it is in this climate. We have to just accept that and try to move forward as best as possible. Yeah, 
for them now, the most important thing is to get that matric certificate. But this uh, repeating next year for academic reasons is also not acceptable if you can't avoid it. Yeah, maybe this would be good in helping them shift priorities a bit more to academic side. Time will only tell, unfortunately. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But yeah, let's let's leave it at that. Um, yeah, it sucks to be in matric 2020, um, but hopefully, you know, this is an opportunity that um, the rugby administrators can identify, you know, and put some good plans in motion to accommodate them all next year. We have a Boyki of the Week for you. Uh, this was uh, quite, a, quite a different one, right? A little bit of a malfunction that happened. Uh, right, so our Boyki for this week is Kabos Yelov. Um, I made very sure to say that in the most Afrikaans <laughs> way possible because this is a South African. He's playing for the Rebels. He came off the bench this weekend for them. and. Yeah, it was kind of stuck there in a ruck, and when he, when everyone stood up, his pants were just torn to shreds. And the man was sporting a pink budgie smuggler, uh, which I found quite funny the way they framed that. <laughs> right, so his pink undies, he was completely oblivious to this. Man was just keen to play on. And for that, we are going to give him the Boyki of the Week award. Um, as we all know, playing comes first. You worry about what you're wearing secondly. Um, you know, so just for demonstrating that um, professionalism, you are definitely getting our Boyki of the Week award. Uh, what was your thoughts on him and that uh, moment, Jason? You know, it's more than the pink budgie snuggler. You know, it's it's the way he carried it. The man was proud. He did not care about his. <laughs> Pink, I think it was Rebels branded <laughs> underwear. <laughs> Man had no scum. He almost seemed disappointed when they brought, brought shorts on for him to change into. But that Did is... you see how tight those shorts <laughs> fit him afterwards? I'm thinking it must have come off a scrum off or something. But must you know, have. that just made me think, you know, traditional South African rugby player, one of the big boys, you know, from Corsairs, the big boys always try and grab the tiny shorts to show off his legs. So I think he couldn't have been always. happy. He couldn't yeah, be happy. Think... Yeah, I think he was even happy after that that he had a tighter fit. Before we know, he actually ripped it out there. Like, no, I want to put something else on. <laughs> it was an advertising stunt. <laughs> right, so I don't, I'm not too sure if he's loose yet or tight yet, but he's in our front row. We've got a space for him. Kabos, yes, and he spun. Right, yes, and he boiky spun. So, lacrum your tail. Alrighty, um, so we're going to end it off there for today's episode. Um, you can leave us a comment or voice message on Anchor. Tell us uh, what's your opinion on these matters. Uh, we also want to send a big shout out to all our favorite boykies. And then for all the listeners, thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the main event. And please consider following Bottomless Rugby on social media and podcast streaming services to stay up to date with the latest content. So until next week, stay away from your boys, wash your hands often, drink lots of water, and stay safe. Cheers.